Okay, so this is, as somebody mentioned to me as, as I was handing this out, the existence of God, you don't really need much more than that, right? You should, you should, we should just stop over here, Hashem exists, that's fine. However, the problem is it's a little more complex than that. Let's, let's, let's discover this together. Um, in the short time that we have, think about this from a different perspective. Sometimes these type of topics are so, are so basic that we don't ever address them. So it's important to address and get a sense of what's really the mechanics of what's going on over here and what's expected of us. What I want to do before doing each Ikar is to read the way the Rambam said it, to read the way our Siddur says it, and read the way Yigdal says it. And just, just for our own sake, to get a sense of what's expected of us and perhaps the differences between the, the different versions, and then to contemplate. This is the way the Rambam says it in his unadulterated version in his Pirush HaMishnayos. So um, it's a philosophical um, perspective. He says the following, Hayasod HaRishon, the first foundation, Metzius Habore Yishtabach, is the uh, existence of God may be praised. Vuhu, Shiesh Shom, Motsui Bishlemus Ofonei HaMetzios. There is an existent, complete in all aspects of creation. Vuhu, Ilas Metzius Kolanim Saim. And he is the reason for all of existence, which means to say, if you stop at any point in the world and say, why did this happen? Meaning, if you, if you question cause of anything, you should be able to keep questioning cause till you get back to him. Root cause. Right? So you get a root cause. There's no, you can't go beyond him. But the point is that if you keep questioning in the right way, you're going to get back to him. Right? And in him exists all of existence. And from him, existence flows. What's the difference between, um, between the first part of the sentence and, the last, and what we just read? The Ilas Hametzios and Kiyom Hametzios. What's the difference between the reason and the existence? Just if you want to, if you want to just divide those two parts up. He is the reason of existence and he is the flow. Okay, so fine. So cause let, 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 let's draw a line between the two just for argument's sake. You could say that God is the cause of all creation because he flicked the switch and then he went on a coffee break, right? But Kiyom Hametzios means to say... That he is still the manager, right? He is still, he's still around. He's doing things. Just that's a very important point that the Ramam is incorporating over here in existence. And now, he, let's, let's play the devil's advocate. Let's say that if we were to imagine to ourselves that God didn't exist, then what would that, what would that mean? Then there could not be anything else. You can't say, you know, world minus God and there's a little corner that's left. There's nothing left if God's out of the picture. And you get to say, you know, reverse everything else in the world. Universe, Milky Way, galaxies, everything else you want. Pluto even. Then nevertheless, you will still, nevertheless, God won't be lacking or, or, or missing. He doesn't need anything in reality. And anything which is outside of him from the Sikhlim. What is a Sikhlim according in the Rambam's language? Sechel means logic or, or mind, but Sikhlim in the Rambam's terminology actually means those things which are in the intellectual realm, meaning it's his way of saying things in the spiritual realm, non physical existence. So even those things outside of God in the non physical realm. So what's he referring to? Angels, or the, the things in that, in that nature. All those things running, the background, this is behind the scenes of everything. And everything below them, even angels need him. 
right? Even the, the, the metaphysical beings are dependent on him, right? Not just, not just you know, um, the regular good old laws of Newton physics. And that's what the Torah says when it says, I am Hashem, your God. Okay? That's, so, so the Ramam has said what it is, and now he's, he's, push, he's pushed in both directions philosophically. So if you imagine existence without him, Hashem is not lacking. If you imagine him without existence, there is no existence. And that, that is the first of the, of the principles. Let's compare this and contrast it for a moment, just for, for a very brief moment, to the Ani Mamin. This is a beautiful song. Uh, we're not going to sing it right now. Afterwards, we'll, uh, we have opportunity. I believe with a complete memuna that Hashem... Ubore umanig lecholabruim. Hashem is the creator and leader of all creations. Vhulavadoi asa vaoise vyaase lekolamasim. He made, makes, and will make all creations or forms, all creations. Notice bore umanhig means. What's the difference between the two terms? Bore is is originally and manhig is is running it right. So just the, what the, the animamin has done essentially is is it's taken that sentence in the yasod and it's really put it into two very Co- a very cohesive or succinct words, just to appreciate the difference between those two. There's two elements over here which, which is being expressed. And finally, when we sing it on a, on a Friday night, the way we sing it is, Yigdal Elohim Chai V'Yishtabach Let it be praised, the, um, the living God, and let him, Yigdal Elohim be great, and let him be praised. Nimtza Ve'ein Eis El Metziusa He is found, and there's no time to his existence. That's a little difference. He said, there's no time to his existence. That's that's saying that God is eternal, eternal infinite, right? But it's not it's not exactly the same. We have it's, it's it's a little too general than what we were originally saying, right? Right, it's timeless. Now now it's interesting because the Yosod itself didn't seem to be focusing on that. Our original belief system used to be it was about creation and continued uh, continued uh, um, uh, um, um, purview. Okay. But yes, um, there are there are as there are people who are there are claims as to who it was. I don't remember who it was, but it was pretty early on. Pretty early on, we're talking about, I think around five. We're talking about around five hundred years ago. Okay, so we have a, we have a good traction on that because already the earliest Sidurim had it. But I, and the, it was post Rambam, yeah, yeah. The the, the Yigdal and the Animamins were based on the Rambam, but they so they both said what was that? Ani Mamin text as well, there's also, I don't remember the name, it's, it's a very obscure um, uh, name of a person who put it together, but ultimately he was focusing it on the Rambam, but it is important to notice that they're not identical. Okay, it's, uh, Ani Mamin is a very nice, a very good summary, but it's not, it's not our, uh, it's not the, the Yasod itself, which is why it's important to learn it inside. There are lots of questions we can ask at this point in time. It was, it's pretty much universally accepted, but, but it, it is important just to contrast it when we have a chance. There's lots of questions we can ask. Lots and lots of questions. Number one, the, the, just a very very simple question. That is, is is this this is a this is a foundation. Okay, so foundation is axiomatic. It's like when you when you're going into advanced calculus, there's certain rules that frame the set space, right? And um, those those are the rules within which you uh, operate, and then you can work with theorems within axioms. Now, the question is, is belief in God actually a commandment as well? Meaning, are we do we have to believe? Or is it just a necessary prerequisite? Right, so are we, are we expected to believe? If we are expected to believe, then where does the Torah tell us to believe? In God. Okay, good. So the Ramam already, already said at the end of the Yusuf, the Ramam says that it is a mitzvah. How do we know? 
Because the Ten Commandments start with the words, Now if you count carefully, it's interesting. In the Aseris Adibros in general, it happens to be that the Aseris Adibros are broken up by paragraphs based on the, the commandments. Okay, so there's each, each, um, par- each paragraph is a separate one of the commandments, which is why the Pasuk of is actually broken into paragraphs because there's different there's commandments within that Pasuk. Now, happens to be that the first two are in one paragraph. There's no, there's no breakup between the first two. The first one is, I am God. And number two is, There shouldn't be any other powers in my, uh, in my vicinity, which means everywhere. Um, so that, 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 now this is interesting because, w- so if you count them up, you'll find that there really are nine commandments. I- if you really want to be, you know, strictly, strictly uh, careful about it, there's nine commandments because there's, you know, the, the actual commands of what to do are only nine. But, the, but it seems like the way the Ramah understands it is what's number one is, when Hashem says, I am Hashem, your God, the expectation is, and therefore... Know that, know that before you, before you, you, before you don't bring in any family members into the picture. Know that that's the first commandment. So the Ramam, the Ramam says so that's the first of the ten commandments, and that brings it up to ten, which is fantastic. The way the Ramam says it, says it in um, his Sefer Amitzvahs later on. The first of all the mitzvahs in source two, on the next page. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, because otherwise you're right. Very, very good points. Very good points. Dibros is doesn't dibor. It means a uh, a strongly worded statement rather than a uh, particular command, which is important because maybe we're maybe that's maybe that's what the Ramam is saying. Therefore, that's why it's categorized. But the Ramam actually himself says it is a mitzvah. He goes, he goes, he pushes the envelope further than that. He actually says it's a mitzvah, and he goes on to say um, that it is. And he quotes a Gemara in Marcos. I'm not, we're not going to do it inside this point, but it's in source two. The Ramam says the Gemara in Marcos says the following. That um, if you do a gematria, the, the Gemara Makos says that um, um, what was the word that it comments on? The, what's the gematria of the word Torah? The word Torah itself. Six right. So if you do a Torah, it's Taf and Reish are four hundred and two hundred, which is six hundred. Vov and Hey give you that's the six hundred five. Give you eleven. So six hundred eleven. That's almost perfect, right? <laughs> right. When it comes to gematrias, now one off, right? Everybody starts saying two off. That's a little, you know, you know, the the statistical error is not going to help you there. The 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 kolal is not going to help you there. So what, what's happening? So the Gemara says, well, clearly the reason why is Torah tzivalanu Moshe. Torah was taught us by Moses because Moshe only taught us six hundred eleven. What happened to the other two? Oh, Hashem says them. Fantastic, right? Hashem said the first two. That's what we couldn't handle. Interestingly enough, by the way, they encompass the rest of the Torah, right? Belief in God and that that shouldn't be anything else is positive and negative, which incorporate all positive and negative of the rest of the Torah. And all of that just almost stems out of those two basic premises. Okay, just, you know, it's not like just randomly Hashem took off two. Those are, those are the building blocks. Okay, so now, that's what the Torah says. So what the so Ramah says from here, <coughs> proof text, what do you see from the Gemara over here? If you're counting 613, 613 what? It's a mitzvah. Mitzvahs. And if one of them is missing and one of them is included, it's of course it's a mitzvah. That's what Ramam says. Is, and that's the way he, um, he, he views this as a, as a mitzvah. Very interesting. Happens to be that uh, this is not universally accepted. The <laughs> Baal Halachas Kedolos, also one of the earlier counters of the mitzvahs, says that no, nothing doing. It's not a mitzvah. The, uh, the way you get the extra mitzvahs is in that lo it's lo You also can't make and you can't have. Okay, so there's two mitzvahs over there. Onokhi Hashem Lakacha isn't a mitzvah. What is it? It's a dibur. What does a dibur mean? A statement. A statement. What, so why is it included? Why is the statement included in in uh, in um, 
Nasser Sadibras. He says, because, says the Bahag, he says, if you don't have this, there's nothing to talk about. Right, the Gemara, the Gemara, the Gemara, the the says the following: What happens is the king comes to a country, and every, and everybody says, everybody says, we'll do anything you anything you want, ki- oh king. You know, tell us what you want. You want us to stand on our heads on Tuesdays, wear purple purple robes on Thursdays, whatever it is, we'll do it. So, so the king says, folks, folks, you got to accept me as the king before I start giving out any commands. That's number one. That's not that's not a mitzvah. That's just the prerequisite for anything else. Because why should you believe me if I'm not? It, why are you going to re- wear those purple robes if you don't believe in me? So the Baha'i says it's more fundamental than a mitzvah. You don't need it to be a mitzvah. It's the basis of all, um, all else. That this is a very just an important makhlaikas to, to, to understand because the Baha'i might be even stronger than the Rambam. The Rambam is saying it's a mitzvah. You have to, you have to believe. The Baha'i says you can't do anything else without it. You're paralyzed from the beginning without it. That's how powerful the Baha'i uh, views it. That's, that, that's number one. So is it a mitzvah? Not so clear, but it's at the very least a mitzvah, according to, uh, according to the, the Mepharshim. But now, now, now a, a very, very simple question. When Hashem tells us this, either Dibur or Mitzvah, what's the basis? What's the basis that Hashem gives for us, to us for that? So why should you know that I'm God? Because Because I took you out of Egypt. Now, folks, what else could Hashem have said? Right. Yeah, listen, you know, <laughs> you know let, let, let's just put things in chronological sequence over here. You know, in the end of the day, Yetzirah Mitzrayim happened way into the game, right? The, the, you know, there's been, uh, you know, 2,000 years worth of existence from creation up to that point. So that's a very, that's a, that's a, a weaker card to pull out as belief, right? Um, Talk about the real thing, yeah. Well, not exactly, because one, that's what made us, I mean, that's what made the Shemar God because he took us out, and two, um, that's showing his his force over creation. So basically, he's showing he created the world also. Okay, you're saying inco- included in it is his, is the fact that he can the fact that he can press the reset shows that he actually made the world itself. Okay, no, that, that that's good. But just in terms of the fact that the first point you said, Yehuda, that that the fact that um, that, that he is our God, but Hashem Hashem saying, I want you to believe in Hashem in general. So like it's like it's a, it's a little it's a little limited to say just our God. You meaning you know you can get much more by saying you can get much more bang for the buck by saying. He's the one who, who, you know, put it all together, poured all the, all the different chemicals together, and voila, it all came together. That should be enough for all of creation. And you're only limited to the, to the nation of Israel. It's a very big debate in the, in the Mepharshim as to why, the, why this is, which is more powerful, which is a stronger way. Many answers offered. But um, one, uh, Rabbi Ari Kaplan actually has a beautiful book uh, called Infinite Light. He has many wonderful books, and he talks about the existence of God. He has a very interesting suggestion. He just says that in the end of the day, remember those two words we discussed, boire umanhig, right? So there's boire is is at the beginning, and manhig is that he's in control. He says that it's more important for us to know that he's manhig than that is boire. Isn't that interesting? Because we can maybe prove that God was the creator. We can say and we can work it out that God was the creator of the world, but that doesn't necessarily mean or impinge on the life that I lead right now. So what, what, what does Hashem say? I want you to know that I'm the God, not only who created the world, I'm the God who cares about what you do right now, what Egypt does and what you do. I care about you. That is why, what Hashem says as, uh, as, um, as, his, as his prerequisite for belief, which is fascinating. Yes? If you're coming to establish Judaism as a force as opposed to Avodah Zarah, many of the contemporary uh, belief systems did believe in a prime mover 
but that he was not the yes. one who created the yes, world. Yes, yes, yes. Very good. They, they Very good. They never thought that Apollo and all these others created the world. They knew there was some other creator, correct. but he thought he went to lunch. Correct, correct, so correct. So the, the belief in the Manig, therefore, is more important than the belief in the Borek. Correct. So what's interesting over here is, is that, and this, by the way, is um, where the Ramban actually goes into great depth about how each of these three, this three tiers of Makos, if you go into the patterns, the Ramban understands that the, that, the, the, that, the, that the first tier is belief in God's existence, but then you need to know that He's powerful and available to do things. That's a necessary part of the belief system. And the Makos, he has a parallel of three sets of threes, which, um, which the, th the third of every set is actually proving exactly this point because of, this, of what, what, else, uh, what else everybody else was believing. Because at a certain sense, Paro said, you know, I, I give it to you, you got a God, but how, about, how do I know that He's here? So that's, that's part of what this belief is coming to, certainly in that context. So this is, this is what you see over here, yes? If the key to the whole thing is Hashem which is the main theory, why didn't Shemot Nesra begin it? Why did you say, okay, I'm publication of the Yaakov? Why did you say, by the way, in Shemot Nesra, he gives all the praises of God, why, do you, why doesn't he use Abraham Yitzhak and Yaakov instead of Hashem Tzosicha? Okay, interesting. So... When we say Elokei Avraham, Elokim is a, Elokim denotes, just the beginning of the Shemona Esra, Elokim denotes a unique relationship between humanity and God. So it happens to be that there were three different apertures which were opened of humanity before Sinai even, of different people who had a different relationship to God. So what we say is, we say four things actually. Elokei Nul, our personal relationship, and then there's three primary highways, which is Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, who had different ways of accessing, actually if you want to be more specific, it's actually Avraham, yeah, Avram and Yitzhak are the extremes, and Yaakov is actually perhaps more of a center in that. Um, so that's more about relationships which are forged with God. Here Hashem is saying to you, I want you to believe me because of particular things, because of things I did. Avram and Yitzhak were perhaps the people who were sitting on the sidelines saying, I get it. So we, we, we're, we're those same people. That's why we were, we were accessing them. Um, but with, I just want to, um, just for the sake of lack of time, I want to just get... Uh, um, uh, one or two points across, and that is the following, is the Rambam actually is a little confusing. Because in the Sefer HaMitzvahs, where the Rambam talks about the, the way that we should believe in God, no, notice that, um, look, look at it actually source 4, the Rambam says the following, Yesod HaYesodos Va'amud HaChachmos. This is the first halacha in all of Rambam's um, Yad HaKazaka, and he says, the, the basis of all, the foundation of all foundations and the, the pillar of all wisdom. By the way, th that's the acronym for? Yurkei Vovkei, right? He starts his book with the, 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 ac the acronym, the first letter of each of those words is the, the Shem Havaya, Hashem's um, innermost name. He says, Leida Shiyesh Shom Motsoy Rishon, to know that there is a first be um, being, and Humamsi uh, called Nimsa, and he brought into existence anything else after that. Okay? So that's, that is what the Ramam says. Notice that in his, uh, in his Sefer HaMitzvahs, earlier on in Source 2, he says, HaMitzvah HaRishonahi, Hatsivui is going back to source two. That we should believe in God. So what is it? Is it to know? Leida is to know and the Hamin is to believe. Those are a little bit different concepts, right? So what are we expected to do? What is this mitzvah in the first place? Are we expected to know God? Are we expected to believe in God? A little bit of a discrepancy there. Very, very, very troubling discrepancy because the Rambam is building off his Sefer mitzvahs. <coughs> Right, the, the, the Yara Chazaka is an expansion of all the mitzvahs in their, in their respective categories. So what would you mean by no in that context? Okay, so, so no, just if, we, if we're going to play with the words. Later means to say you have information, and you can think about that information, you can digest that information, you can point to it, and you can articulate it. Lahamin sometimes suggests 
that there's an element of a little bit of a dive, a little bit of a uh, jump, um, right? Um, that you need, a, you need a bridge to places where you aren't quite there yet and you can't necessarily get up. So do I know what's behind this wall? I don't know what's behind this wall. So I, I, but I have to believe what's behind this wall because I can't see it. Later is, is that I can, you know, empirically know, uh, um, understand and reach and conceptualize it. That's, that's what um, the difference is between the two concepts, which, di which are a little bit different. Absolutely. But the Ramam says both of that. Yes, if you have just belief, you have doubt. So you need a, so now, interesting enough, there happens to be those, there are those who are, there are, there are those um, purists who uh, say that in fact, the Sefer HaMitzvah was written in, not Hebrew, but Arabic. So in the translation from Arabic, the word that was used in Arabic might be translated either way, whereas the Yara Chazaka is written in Hebrew. So maybe it's not even a, a, a starter, but I wouldn't dis disqualify centuries and centuries of ink spilt on this particular topic. And one of the fascinating things I saw was the Yad, the, the Adne Paz, if I'm not mistaken, on the Rambam says such a fascinating insight. He quotes the Rambam, who has a letter to Marseille. And the Rambam says in his letter to Marseille, how do we know anything in the first place? Like, how do, how do we trust any information in the first place? And the Rambam says that there's three ways you can know something is, is, is true. Number one is you can empirically and logically prove it. Right? So you can, you can, uh, you can uh, think about it, you can mathematically, you can statistically, philosophically, you can think about it and work it out. That's one option of knowing something. Another option of knowing something is you can sense it. Right? I can touch it, I can smell it, I can hear it, I can feel it. They're that, they're the senses, right? Those are two different ways. And finally, the third one is, is if somebody who's a tzaddik, somebody who's a spiritually refined individual tells you something, you can believe it. Why is it only a spiritually refined individual? Why, why, why is it not anybody? Additional senses. So, the, so I think the, the notion is that when you come to truth, truth has only arrived with people who have managed to remove biases. So I'm saying the only way you can get to something really true is with a person who themselves has really, their, their agendas have been diminished to the point that you can now, um, you can now uh, actually... Uh, you can really trust them. So now, the ra so, oh, so not, not clear. That's what the Ramam says in his letter to Marseille. So perhaps, 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 perhaps. What the Ramam is saying over here is, is that of course you need to know and you need to believe. You need both. You need to be able to, at, to the point that we can, get in a sense of and investigate and think philosophically and empirically and mathematically and work and look at and work out God. That's part of it. But that's not all of it. There's going to be certain parts where we're going to have to rely on what, I, what is going to be told to us as well, part of the traditional process, which is tzaddikim, or people who throughout the Masorah have told us certain things. That, 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 that relates to a little element of la'amin. But they're both, they're both true access points to, uh, to, uh, to God. They're both truly, truly access points to, uh, to, to Hashem himself. Which is why this is now the, the, jumping, the jumping board into perhaps how we're supposed to and expected to do this. We have, um, we have somewhat limited time, but let me just, just, let's just begin just for, for a moment over here. Uh, about uh, about knowledge, there, there's a number of proofs which are offered offered to uh, about the existence of God, and there, and to be quite honest, none of them really do the trick by themselves. <laughs> Otherwise, everybody would be everybody everybody would be believing in this world as we have it today, and that is so. Let, let's let's start at the, at the at the beginning. There's what's called a tele teleological proof, and that is is that um, um, and that is um, that it's what's called in a more, most simple sense the watchmaker proof. Okay, so this, uh, this is, uh, it, it, it goes as follows. The Chovas Levavas says it, uh, says it and, uh, he, uh, 
Um, it is said in many, many sources, there's Midrashim which indicate as such. The Midrash says, that he says, look, imagine that somebody were to give you an essay. And you were to read this essay and it is unbelievable. The prose, the poetry, everything inside it is, is um, really well put together, cohesive, the arguments articulate. And then you're to say, well, you know how I, I found this? What happened was, I was actually on my desk, I'm a clumsy person, and um, I knocked with my left elbow, I knocked the ink well over, and this is what happened. I shook it off, and then this is what appeared. So, uh, <laughs> so he said, you'd be hard put to make that, <laughs> to, to, uh, to, to say that that really happens. To get Shakespeare, there was called the million um, monkeys yeah. um, on typewriters, right? There. This is what, what some people say, is that you have a million monkeys typing on a million typewriters for a million years, you never get Shakespeare. Right? No matter how random it's going to be, you're never going to get to that point. You know, you're never going to get to that point. So, uh, um, so this is what's called, that if you look at something, the, the way that it's, uh, William Paley says it is, is that if you're, uh, it's in Source 7, he says, if I'm walking through a desert and I come across a rock and I'm asked why the rock was there, the answer will be, well, it could have just always been there. Meaning that could have been, that's where it was. But if I'm walking across uh, the countryside and I trip on a watch, then there's no way, and, and certainly, now we don't appreciate that, because you know, you've got to read, there's a book, if you ever have a chance to read, it's called Longitude. The, re the way that they, they worked out how to, uh, <coughs> um, the, the way that, um, that, that they actually worked out how to travel across the Atlantic Ocean, by the way, just, this, it was such a difficult thing until about 200 years ago, 150 years ago, is how do you travel across the, the, the Atlantic? Is, um, th there was a problem, you can work out Latitude very easily, right? You can work out latitude on Earth, but the problem is longitude. Is that there's no way necessarily of knowing where you are in the ocean. So there'd be terrible shipwrecks. People be people going in the wrong direction and not even realize it because they couldn't work out how far east or west they were. And so they were trying to work out based on star charts how how to do it. And um, ultimately, and it was a very complex mechanism because remember the stars and the sun are moving and you're moving. Right? So it was very, very complex to work this out. And they found there was another option, which was that if you can get a perfect timepiece, then you'll be able to work out longitude. If you have a timepiece which won't be affected by weather, by conditions, and, you, and it was exact to the second from the moment you left, and you could work out when midday was, and you could work out the difference between that, you could work out the difference in time. Because again, every mile you, oh, there's, 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 every distance you travel is a, certain, um, is a certain amount of time, right? Our 24 time zones are approximations. Every P, uh, our money in New York are different to, let's say, in Connecticut, right? Because even though it's the same time zone, actually there's a different time because it's a few miles away. And in fact, the watchmakers won, the, won actually, and um, if you got a perfect timepiece, then you could, that was the way they actually managed to cross the Atlantic, knowing, knowing the longitude. So, happens to be, if you come across the watch, and you find this watch, and you, and you look at the cogs, and you say, well, it just was always there, then there's a bit of a problem with that. That's what's called the teleological proof. It, it, there's another way of saying it, is, is, the, is the following. Imagine that, you know, we have, we have space stations um, listening for, for um, outer, um, outer space signals. So imagine that if one day we were to hear a signal, and the signal, um, and, and we see, we, we see a, a signal which is um, in a particular code, in a sequence, and, um, and we hear it. So there's, there, there's a few options that we could have. Number one is we could say that there is life out there after all, right? Or we could say that somebody's playing a trick on us, but nobody's ever going to consider the following. Nobody's ever going to say, you know what? <laughs> it was a random set of frequencies that came together to give a coherent code. Nobody ever considers that possibility. Why? Because when you have coherence, when you have 
a sequence when you have nobody ever considers the fact that they, you know, will just you know randomly it it, it aligns itself into being a sentence. That's what's called the teleological proof. The problem with this is just just to be fair to this. The problem with this in general is is that um, what what, um, what those on the other side of the animamin will say is that yes, well, if you give long enough time, then yes, of course you will have. You, 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 uh, the randomness can, uh, can, uh, can be achieved. Meaning, if you have a million mon monkeys and a million typewriters, that's fine. What happens if you have a billion monkeys and a billion typewriters and a billion years? 15.3 billion years, maybe. Right, so the point is that if you give it long enough, maybe we'll get there. Um, that, which, is not, uh, which is one of the criticisms on teleological proof. Another criticism on the, pr on the proof is, is that all the teleological proof tells us is that a God perhaps maybe created a world. Right, but it doesn't help us with Constancy, consistency, right after that. This, this, is sta this is stage one. You know what, I, I don't want to rush it because there's, there's, so, many valuable, there's so many valuable things we, we can gain. We still have a little bit to do with tradition, um, actualization, and Jewish history just as, as a beginning. But I don't want to rush and give it short shrift in, um, in terms of appreciating this. But um, what we're going to do is that we're going to see that there's no, no one proof is going to be the nail on the head, uh, the, uh, and we're going to feel that this is it. It's there's going to be space of laser, but there's going to be also space for lahamin, which is what the rabbim is essentially saying: is that there's the mo there's the fence that we can get up to, and then there's beyond it, which we need to say that there's that little little extra bit, which is called lahamin, and that's and that's where the emuna uh, comes in. Because after all, if there was one proof that was knock down, knock your socks off kind of kind of proof, then then the world will be in trouble for not believing. Um, so that's where, that's where we're going to stop at, at this point in time. And next week we're going to start with a little bit more of the, the circumference and, um, and go get head into head. What was that? Next week is Tisha B'Av. We're not going to be doing on Tisha B'Av. Um, so God willing, in two weeks' time we're going to pick up. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to segue from this into Yechud. Yechud is the... Is, the, is, the, is the, perhaps more complex than this as well. <laughs>